I'm Michelle Orman, and this is The Couture Podcast. Jackie Aish designs jewelry that is intended to empower women. The evolution of her brand has been, from the start, organic, with nothing forced about any of the choices she makes as both a creative and a business owner. Jackie is ever cognizant of the powerful effects gemstones and minerals have on the human form. In her sensual, effortlessly chic silhouettes beg to be layered and stacked, worn as talismans of strength and protection. It was a delight to sit down with Jackie, remotely, to learn more about her childhood, her start in the business, and her approach to collaborating with her clients, which include many of Hollywood's biggest stars. We also took advantage of her vast knowledge of the metaphysical properties of gemstones to get some inside tips on what gems and minerals we need in our lives right now. Hello, I am so excited to be here today with Jackie Aish. Thank you so much for joining me for this remote recording of the Couture Podcast. It's so good to see your face. So good to see yours. And it's absolutely my pleasure. And thanks for having me. We've been wanting you for a while. So I appreciate you clearing your schedule. Um, So first of all, I just want to know how you are. You know, how have you been doing during this past strange year um, with quarantine and curfews and sheltering in place? How how are you? How is your family? We're good. Uh, You know, it's been wild and we've been hanging in there. We've had some ups and downs, but, you know, I'm usually the kind of person that always ships with the times and I have to make the best out of everything. Yeah. And I've I've heard that you're kind of a homebody, like a self-described homebody. So um, did you kind of enjoy parts of, you know, just being forced to stay at home? I did. And also, thank God, my office is only three blocks away from my house. So I was able to get out and walk to work and find some time to be creative and spend some time with myself. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's I had to make the best out of everything. Well, that's that's great. I'm so glad that that you and yours are all healthy. So um, I just want to kind of get some background from you. I know that you grew up in Beverly Hills. So can you tell me what that was like and, and you know, what kind of kid you were? Um, I actually grew up in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, okay. Above the Sunset Boulevard. I'm going to I'm going to teach you something new about myself. Great. Uh, yeah, I grew up in the Hollywood Hills and uh, it was it was interesting. There was no riding bikes or going to the parks for us. But, uh, you know, I was always climbing the mountains and hiking and searching for fool's gold, which was one of my greatest hobbies. I loved the little sparkly rocks. And uh, I painted rocks as a child all the time. And I think that's what, you know, really started and started the fire for my creative outlet. That's so cool. So you were like a a little nerdy rock hound from a young age. Complete. (laughs) (laughs) I have a rock collection too that I started when I was probably five. So I can totally relate. And Bull's Gold, that was the coolest thing ever. I can't imagine being able to find that out in the wild. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what we used to do. We'd go hiking above my house and there was um, even a, a van that was overturned that had been there for years. So it was kind of like, you know, it was like our little scavenger hunt that we would do on our time off. It sounds very just- wild, wild west, right? Yeah, I didn't actually move to Beverly Hills until I was in my 30s. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, and what, I was I was a West Hollywood Sunset Strip kind of kid. Okay. So it was, you know, we were, we were pretty wild. 
<laughs> well, and from my understanding of LA geography, you you really are like um, uh, from one part of the city or the other. Because like if you're going across town, that could take, you know, I don't know, hours to get a few miles, right? With the traffic. I mean, when I was a kid, it used to take 10 to 15 minutes. Now it could take 45 minutes. So <sighs> I, pretty, I pretty much stay in my vicinity now. <laughs> I don't blame you there. So, um, so I have heard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong again, um, that your dad is from Cairo and that your mom is from Texas. So, you know, kind of what influences did those different backgrounds have on you on, as a person and as an artist? Well, each culture really had such a force behind me growing up. I had my Egyptian grandmother who was always adorned in coins and hammered gold and was always dressed to the nine. And you had my grandfather on my mom's side from Texas, uh, who was always wearing a bolo tie and a turquoise ring and a huge belt buckle and never owned a pair of regular shoes in his life. <laughs> he always, he only wore cowboy boots. And, um, you know, it was just, it was nice to grow up with two different types of cultural backgrounds. And I think that's what makes me me. Yeah, 100%. And it sounds like you had two really great examples of people that are really expressing their individuality through adornment in very different ways. But that's, that's very cool. Um, so tell me, how did you get into, you know, how did you go from, you know, nerdy rock hound kid um, into actual jewelry design? What was that journey like? Um, I was always a creative kid. I always, you know, found myself alone in my room creating different types of things. And as a child, I thought I was going to be a fashion designer. I used to always sketch clothing and make these crazy designs. And it wasn't until I was about a teenager that um, I came across a bead store and I went in and I was like, hmm, I want to start making some jewelry. And I went in and I bought all the material to start wire wrapping. And I actually taught myself how to wire wrap. And there was no YouTube back then or anything. Yeah. And I, I just... <laughs> I read books and I learned how to do it and slow, you know, slowly, but surely it uh, became a life of its own. I used to gift everything to my friends and my family as a child and as a teenager. And um, when I got into retail in my twenties, I started actually selling it at the store and uh, I was anonymous. Everybody wanted to meet the jewelry designer behind all the creations. And uh, in 2003, I started casting and then it was just wildfire after that. That's, that's very cool. Well, do you, do you know what, was there like a watershed moment that you went from being the anonymous person that's, you know, making these things to actually like, this is a business. It took a long time for it to actually become a business. Mm -hmm. It was for me, it was, it was, I, I love creating things out of passion and making people happy. And it was just something that I really enjoyed doing for even my clients at the store. Instead of buying clothing, I saw what the jewelry was actually, you know, what it was doing for them. They're like, I need another necklace. I want another layer. And it was then that I was like, okay, I'll, you know, it's me. I, I didn't want it to be about me. It's never been about me. That's why it's always been the JA tribe. I, I love creating pieces that make people happy. Yeah, it sounds like you're kind of a, a conduit for this energy, for like the gemstones and the just the adornment, and uh, you know, it's you kind of bringing that to your your customers. And I, I, I mean, like starting out making things for your friends and family, there must have been so much love put into each of those pieces. You're probably like thinking of the person that you're making the piece for, and then you know, infusing the piece with that energy, which is still so evident in your collection. It's, it's just, it's really cool. I mean, it's obviously, um, 
it's beautiful, it's sexy, it's sensual, but you can really just feel the energy and the good intentions behind it. So when did you, how did you learn about the properties of the gemstones? Because like me, I feel like you also believe in the mystical properties of gemstones. So um, I did, I do. Well, growing up, uh, my best friend, her mom actually uh, was always surrounded by crystals and she was sick at the time. So she used to bathe in crystals and she was always surrounded by crystals. And it was just like so cool to me. And uh, when I got into my 20s, I took a crystal healing class and learned basically how to, you know, put the crystals on the body and how to use them and go into, you know, use my intuition. And it was just something that I always had in my back pocket. And the little and coming across the little tiny crystals, I was like, let's make a necklace out of this. And I mean, that was in 2007, 2008. And I made my first crystal necklace that I still have in my drawer. And it was the first one out of many. And uh, people just started being drawn to them. They're like, what does this do? What is the, you know, magic behind each one? And, uh, you know, I always find all these other people along the way that teach me more about the crystals and what they actually do and how to, you know, care for them and what each shape basically, you know, holds because each shape can, you know, can heal in different ways, whether it's just like a one double point, a one point versus a double point. Well, what's the difference between one point versus double point, just as an example? Well, one point is you're going towards, um, you're facing towards a certain place to uh, have it char- to have it generate. And then the double point is going obviously in both directions. So cool. And do you ever hear like testimonials from people? Because I imagine people come to you and they're like, Jackie, I need to find love or, you know, whatever is ailing them. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to you offline about a few things. <laughs> that's so that's so cool. Um, well, and you have arguably the biggest celebrity following in jewelry, at least that I'm that I'm familiar with. Um, and what's really cool to me, it seems from the outside, at least that you're like actually friends with all of these like megawatt stars. Like, how, how do you ex- explain that? Do you never get starstruck? Growing up in LA in the Hollywood Hills, mm. I, it was, you know, I was surrounded by celebrity children growing up and, you know, working at the store on Sunset Boulevard. I just, you know, they're regular people. And I feel that when you do treat them like regular people, it opens the door for a more intimate relationship. And, you know, they come to me and they want to be creative and they want to create these amazing pieces for themselves. And I'm just happy that I'm able to execute and, you know, bring them what they, what they love. And obviously they feel great in it. So they come back for more and it is, it's, it's a great relationship with each and every single client that I have, celebrity or non-celebrity. So it's really kind of collaborative. Like they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, that's, that's really cool. That's gotta be a great experience. I mean, they're artists in their own way already. So when they want to, you know, have something that's close to their body, they, they want to make it meaningful and magical. And that's what I'm here to do for them. I was just, I was thinking as you were talking about those properties and before asking you about testimonials, it's kind of like, um, you know, being a, a modern day, you know, witch doctor or something like that. <laughs> I think it's so. Well, but, that would be me. <laughs> well, I think that's so, that's so cool. And um, I did want to ask you about, um, like going back to, you know, your beginnings. So you were working at the boutique and you started your collection and then you really, you know, you have, I don't know how many doors that sell your jewelry now um, outside of your, um, 
you know, you selling with your, working with your clients in your Beverly Hills location. So um, you, was it hard to get other retailers to really kind of understand your collection? Was that, you know, is that like some, a hurdle that you had to overcome? Well, when I first started out, it was really just, you know, it was smaller boutiques and it was more of a relationship that I had with the owners and the buyers at that time. And they really understood the collection. It wasn't for everybody at the time. And um, when I did finally meet with department stores, it was a little difficult in the beginning because my collection can, you know, can get a little too, um, I don't know how to say it, uh, was a little bit too difficult for the mainstream clients to understand. Mm-hmm. Kind of shifted for them in the first couple seasons. And that didn't work because it really didn't come from the heart. So after that, we kind of, you know, they, they gave me a little bit more freedom with it. And now it's, you know, everybody loves it and crystals are everywhere and everybody understands them. And, you know, everybody's getting their own uh, healing from them. Yeah, you really, you're, you're right. I mean, it's definitely a lot more mainstream now to see crystals and people talking about, you know, healing or it's, uh, you know, uh, you know, geodes as a, you know, something that goes into someone's home as a, a sculpture or something like that. So it's definitely more mainstream now and you were really ahead of the curve. So speaking of being ahead of the curve, I would love to talk about your sweet leaf collection. I know it's a collection of jewelry, mm-hmm. but I've also seen, you know, the fabulous kimono that you gave to a friend of mine, um, another fabulous handbag. Um, it's really this like, beautiful homage to cannabis, but you launched it long before marijuana became legal in a lot of states and was considered, you know, subversive, which it's not anymore. So um, can you tell me about the motivation behind that collection? I mean, I I was a Hollywood kid in the 80s and 90s. Cannabis was (laughs) part of our culture. It was, you know, up with that was completely normal. But, it, you know, if you had something that had the cannabis leaf on it, it was like this little underground sign that, you know, okay, I smoke weed. And <laughs> when I finally started working with diamonds and gold, it was just the coolest thing ever to create a cannabis, you know, motif with a little bit of diamond on it. And it, again, like other things that we've created here before, it becomes a wildfire and working with the snake skin and the silk robes. It was just something that I wanted to make available and fun and for people to enjoy it. And it's just, it's, you know, each time or each, each item that we come up with, it's just completely organic. It's like, Hey, that God, that bag would look so cool if it had a sweet leaf on it. Or, you know, it's not something that we just really think about. We're like, okay, let's design for the sweet leaf collection. It's all organic. Yeah. Well, it, it feels like your, your design process feels very, you know, energetic um, and so I'm just um, wondering about COVID and this past strange year that we've been living in. Um, and obviously, the energy of our entire world really shifted. So has that affected your your design influences or in any way, like your design I, process or? Not really. Uh, you know, everything that we've done has always been, like you said, organic and from the heart. And each item that I've created from day one always has a special meaning to it, whether it's an amulet or a talisman or a crystal, even, you know, behind a shark tooth, shark tooths have, you know, healing properties. And I've always wanted the wearer to feel that connection to the piece of jewelry because, you know, it's something that we 
hold close to us for so long. And even a piece that you have in your jewelry box that you take out from 20 years ago, it takes you back to that mm. time and place. And you, you feel that. And even now everybody that bought a crystal in 2020 and they're wearing it and they're like, Oh my God, that was my crystal from COVID. It's going to be their COVID crystal. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's or the nice... necklace that they bought that made them happy that, you know, kept them kept them through the hard times. Yeah, 100%. I would think that your jewelry would have become even more popular during a time of uncertainty and and fear, you know, because it is We did. We sold a lot of crystals from, uh, I'd say, the first three months of COVID. Three or four months, it was like an explosion of the crystals. People were like, I need protection. So what would Mm -hmm. be a good uh, crystal for protection? Honestly, I'm a huge fan of the clear quartz. It's it's known as the master healer. And that for me has, you know, from day one, I've used it and I still have my favorite one that I'm connected to. And whenever I'm ever feeling any type of anxiety or whatnot, I always reach for my clear quartz. And, you know, so now that we're on this subject and I'm just going to pick your brain for a little um, free advice here for our audience. Um, I've heard a lot of people are having really strange sleeping patterns during COVID. So what would be a, a good crystal to, you know, help give someone a more restful night's sleep? Aquamarine is very calming and soothing. It's always one of my favorites. Okay. And then, so the clear quartz would be good also for any kind of anxiety that somebody's having around oh, yeah, life definitely. these days. And what yeah. about, I mean, I don't clear know. Clear quartz and aquamarine. Okay. And, and what about like, and I don't know if we can make the distinction in these kinds of, um, neuroses, but, um, I know that there's going to be a lot of anxiety about coming out of this. You know, people are now getting vaccinated. Life is getting back to normal. Um, and some people are like, wait, I've discovered that I really like my couch. Um, is there any, (laughs) (laughs) and I don't know that I want to go out there. Um, so is there something that you, that might promote, you know, courage or, um, just be a little more empowering to, you know, get off the couch and go and face the world? Um, I would use, I would use more vibrant colored turquoise, uh, even turquoise. Wow. Look at that. That came off my tongue. Um, turquoise, <laughs> more vibrant colored crystals. Cause those will give you more energy. Very cool. And for me, I always find that gravitating, whatever crystal I usually gravitate at that moment is the crystal that I need. Okay. Um, I can't even imagine what your crystal collection, your personal collection is like. It's got to be insane. It's wild. <laughs> it is. It's wild. <laughs> well, and that's why, um, you know, again, going back to your collection, just feeling good and having such great energy and tension behind it. I mean, that's that's evident. So we're going to credit the crystals with that a little bit. Um, and so another last crystal question. Um, I've heard a lot, and I've done this myself, about giving your crystals like a moon bath. Do you do that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So yes, tell me tell me about that process. Like how, uh, how do you well, recommend we, people do it? Well, full moon, you just basically bring your crystals out into the full moon and you charge them from the time that the moon the full moon starts until the full moon finishes and you just basically recharge them under the moon and that will kind of warp them of any energy that they've uh that they've taken from you and then you start fresh. That's very cool. You can also cleanse them. And if there's not a full moon, you can also cleanse them in salt water as well. Okay. Well, how do you do that? Because I, I mean, uh, you can just soak a- it. Yeah. You can just soak it in, in salt water. And also going back to the clear quartz, 
um, it also recharges any other crystal. So you ah. can put it with some clear quartz and that will also recharge it. Okay, very cool. Because obviously there's a full moon here in New York, but I don't have a balcony or anything to you know, to put my crystals out. I, I don't have access to the full moon from my apartment. So um, a saltwater bath, that sounds I awesome. I think by a window, by a window. Okay. Fine. <laughs> okay, good. You just got to believe in it. I, I really do. I really do. And the few times that I've had occasion to do it, I just, you know, you bring them back in after, you know, the next morning. And I do feel that they've, they've been, you know, fully charged and they're more empowering than ever. So very cool. Um, any other like um, COVID related crystal questions that you've gotten lately that, you know, that maybe you could share with the listeners? Um, I'm honestly, it's more been what crystals have, you know, what crystals can I use right now? Which ones are the best for me? And it's, you know, I feel that amethyst has been a good, a great one for depression and anxiety. It's, uh, it's a crystal that we have um, been selling a lot lately. And uh, it's also so beautiful. I love the purple. I love you know? amethyst. Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, so I feel like this is going to be like, it's like doctor's orders. You know, this isn't about adorning myself. <laughs> go get your clear cords. Go get your amethyst. Aquamarine. <laughs> um, so one last question that I want to ask you, which I've been asking everyone that I've been recording remotely during this, you know, this past year is if you've learned anything about yourself due to COVID and, you know, are there any new behaviors or routines or priorities that you really want to continue in the after? Um, it's taught me to wash my hands a lot. I will say that <laughs> for sure. And uh, it's taught me not to stress. And honestly, uh, don't stress about the small stuff. The anxiety, it, you know, it skyrocketed for a moment and I kind of just grabbed it and got a handle on it and basically knew that I had to trust and higher powers or, you know, whatever it is that kind of made me realize that we can't control any of this. The only thing we can control is how we deal with the situation. And, um, you know, we just have to stay calm and be surround yourself with your loved ones and know that, you know, we're all going to be okay. Yeah. It's, that is a, it's a beautiful lesson because how many times have we worried about things that we have no control over and the worry doesn't do anything, but give you gray hair and anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, so I do. I also hope that that's something that I can remember to do and to not, not worry about this small stuff too, right? Like it's mm-hmm. not that big of a deal. Like calm down, Michelle. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, uh, you know, we all will get back together soon and it's, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. And I just, I can't wait for all countries to be able to, you know, be able to get back to life because even though here in the U.S. we're doing much better. You see what's happening out there in other countries. And it's just, you know, it's still very heartbreaking. And I just, I can't wait for everybody on the planet to be able to celebrate together. Well, amen. I mean, if you can do all of your, your witchy powers and send that. I'm trying girl. (laughs) (laughs) You are definitely doing more than your fair share of the heavy lifting. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, and I'd like to echo your sentiment of how great it's going to be when we can finally come together. And, you know, and I think those things that we grumble about, about, you know, all the travel and the, I'm exhausted, like all of a sudden we're going to not be grumbling about that anymore. 
<laughs> oh no. I mean, I come from a family where 45 people and we're really close and we had so many family dinners together pre COVID. And it was like, Oh, another dinner, oh, another dinner. Now it's like, I can't wait to get together. When's the next birthday? <laughs> Exactly. You don't even, the, the annoying uncle, you're like, I just want to see you. Exactly. <laughs> Not that I have any annoying uncles. All of my uncles are amazing. <laughs> well, I only have one uncle, so he's amazing. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk to me and give us a little crystal lesson. This is great. I mean, I think I'm going to saltwater bath my my crystals ASAP and um, maybe look at investing in some clear quartz and aquamarine and amethyst and um, vibrant colors like turquoise. And like I said, it's doctor's orders, right? Yes. And I'm here to help you, whatever you need. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jackie. It was great talking to you. Love you. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the Couture Podcast. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts.